There's next communicators of the gospel right there. We're raising them up to be giant killers. Isn't that good? Their mom, her mom, their mom's Shazi, Shazia. She was over there crying in the first service. <laughs> My little babies. Hey, did y'all see our new worship leader we have over here, Tammy McKibben, rocking it out. Wow, she's doing a great job. Great job. Her first, her first time on the platform here. And then Braley's birthday was yesterday. Happy birthday and Valentine's Day in the same. Happy Valentine's Day to all of you. And, and, and Dee, you're just playing your little, you're worshiping your little heart out up there. I love it. And Brian, did y'all hear Brian rocking that electric guitar over there? And Ani over there just bringing in the strings in the back. We, we have quite a worship team. Let me tell you, God has poured out favor on Thrive Community Church. And so we're, we're so excited to be able to use that back for his glory and his kingdom. That's why we're here on a snowy day like this, so that people have a place, a refuge to come to and receive love and find love. So, you know, early in ministry, God says, hey, if it's just one, would you minister to him? Absolutely, Lord, I will. So if it's just one of you showed up, I'm going to be here with you. <laughs> so it's just going to be me and you. Show up though, you know, y'all, y'all come, <laughs> y'all come. Well, hey, next week, you can sign up right now. Uh, you can sign up right now. Uh, you can sign up anytime this week in our church center app or livewithpurpose.church. We, our Thrive Tribes are launching out after the 21st. Yes, hallelujah. A place for you to build friendships, relationships, take off that mask that you wear to church and get real and start to find even more freedom. You know, freedom, Con- did anybody come to the freedom conference? Was it good? Did, did God do some work? He did some work on me. He does work on me. This is probably my 14th or 15th one to attend, and he's still doing work. He's always doing work. And I'm thankful for that. Uh, I'm thankful I heard that the worship was amazing last week. I, I missed you guys. Uh, I don't know where I was. Oh, I was hunting. Yeah, that's where I was hunting. Pheasant, quail. I, I, I took it all, everything out. All my frustrations are gone. It was great. The food, the rolls, the showbread. Man, that showbread was good. After the fast, my favorite rolls, Chef Cruz, Hidden Lakes. Mm. Anyway, uh, Thrive Tribes are starting. Get signed up, get plugged in. Continue your freedom. You know, freedom is a, it's a responsibility of your own to apply these principles, but then to get, build relationships that are safe and honoring confidential so that you can get plugged in. We have 10 over the county. Everywhere in the county, there's 10 small groups, Thrive Tribes, that you can get plugged into uh, starting now, but they start on the week of the 21st. Now, we were going to have our FBR movie night, Free Burma Rangers movie night. It's kind of a, a docu-movie uh, with some people, uh, the Dr. Dale and, and Bruce, or Bruce and Dale Woodall, who are going to be going over to Burma, and they're going to break down some, some stories, some uh, Q&A along with that. It's really going to be very interesting. I'm telling you, uh, it is quite amazing. And it, even just last week, there was an uprising, a coup in the country, and so they're going to explain a lot of that. But that's going to be postponed from sun from the Wednesday the 17th to next Sunday next Sunday the 21st at 5:30 p.m. so make it a point to come over to that our our tribes are reg- uh, signing up that day launching but we also are still going to have our ministry training on the 20th, which is Saturday. And that's not for uh, anybody who's a, a certainly a leader at Thrive Community Church. That is for a, a body of Christ member, someone who is a saint. Uh, if you believe in Christ, ministry training is for you. The purpose is that you come in, we equip you to do the work of the ministry. And then while you're out, whether it's in or out of the church, you know how to minister to hurting people, wounded people. And there's a lot of them in Henderson County. Let me tell you, it's, you won't have to look very hard to find somebody to minister to, but we want to equip you so that you know how to do that. Next Saturday, it will be warmer from 830 is breakfast, start at nine, and it's going to be till 3 p.m. It's all free breakfast and lunch. And so family, uh, sorry, the movie night next Sunday ministry training next Saturday. And so we're moving into our our new series that is Keys of the Heart. And these are very important principles that you and I can use to apply to our marriage to strengthen and actually to have our marriage or any relationship, our marriage in God's design, in order of God's design, how he truly designed and has spoken into eternity 
how he would have a married couple live life out, united together to be an influence, to be an advertisement of Christ in the church, because that's what husband and wife are, a picture of Christ in the church to the world. And so there's, there's a few keys that I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you one today because I don't wanna give you too much to have to, I don't wanna overwhelm anybody. I just want husbands and wives to begin to just apply one principle to your marriage. And so, uh, you know, when Allie and I, I'm going to lay it all out there so you don't think I'm self-righteous. When Allie and I first got married, uh, we had only known each other nine months. We met each other. We didn't even date for the first few months. We talked on the phone, and then it wasn't nine months, and then we were married. Uh, she lived in another country. She wasn't, she's not from America. Uh, she moved her up here in December of one year, and she, <laughs> the next year we got married, <laughs> and 12, and then we got married in 13. Well, when I met her, you know, I remember picking her up. We were going to do mission. We were doing missions work, me and some other Hondurans in the, the Bordos of La, San Pedro Sula in Honduras. And so we picked up Allie at the, the college, the public college there. And I remember seeing her, ooh, beautiful smile, beautiful skin. She got in my truck, ooh, beautiful personality, just ooh, missions hearted, just mm, had my heart fluttering. And pitter pat, pitter pat. And, and she saw me, she saw, ooh, white boy, American, Way out of mommy and daddy's house. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in on this. Well, we, we, we did. Like, like I said, we got married. We got married fast. And uh, you learn a lot of things about each other when you, when you do those things. Well, the first year was tough. It was tough. It was, it was literally hell on earth. And so uh, she was demon oppressed and I was an arrogant jerk, she says. And so we, we, we got freed from those things. But in the moment, it was intense. It was extremely intense. She would let, she at one time, we got so bad, she left to go stay with some witch and I went and stayed with my grandparents and you know, hurt and wounded people living out of their emotions, do terrible things and make bad decisions. Can I get an amen? Well, uh, I was done being hurt. But I, I, in fact, my previous hurts, I was still carrying eight years later. Uh, the relationship the I, I had been in was still, I was still wounded and I didn't know it until she started pressing buttons that were similar to a past experience. So it was less of what she was doing, it was more of my, un, my unhealed hurts, the freedom I haven't found. And so boy, whenever those would start to get uh, touched and because they were tender, we would, we would fight back and defend myself. I was living self-preservation, she was living in self-defense and it was two people just going at each other and, and picking at each other's wounds and hurts and driving a wedge between one another. Well, she wasn't, she wasn't giving me the worship I thought I deserved. And that's what I wanna say. Because whenever we're arrogant, we, we think we deserve some worship. And I wasn't giving her the attention she did deserve. And so I, I was burying myself in more work, and she was burying herself more in her, her family back home and, and her cleaning the house. And the more that continued to move about, uh, I basically said, hey, if that's the life you want to live, you just need to move back to Honduras and go live with your mom and dad. Well, she had, since she had realized that uh, America has air conditions and hot water, so she decided not to go back to Honduras. And so that was a, dividing fa a deciding factor to help us work on our marriage, but uh, <laughs> the conveniences of first world. Uh, man, it's real. So we, so we, we, but we needed some intense counseling. Our pastor sat down with us and literally for two weeks, every day, he and his wife would come over or we would go over to their house and we needed somebody to walk life out with that would show us here's what a healthy marriage needs to look like, should look like, and can look like. And so we did that. Thankfully, God brought, had people in our lives that were willing to do that. And we were humble enough to accept that. That's the key right there. Because there's a lot of people that are out there willing to help. It's just the humility to accept the help. And so we were humble enough to do that because we were just tired and we didn't have the answers. Well, uh, real talk, uh, Allie, my pastor, our pastor convinced Allie to quit being so antagonizing and difficult with me. And, and he enticed me to say, hey, you need to extend some trust and quit accusing her of something that someone else has done. That's what happens whenever we're living with two people together unhealed and not free in areas of our life and understanding freedom. Well, since then, uh, after that moment, we began to discover this, this freedom ministry and, and I really got, I got lost in it in the sense of 
finding healing. And that's where a lot of we, what we do at Thrive comes out of, but it restored our marriage and it gave us something that wasn't there. And in that process, I found these four keys of the heart that I never knew about. So I'm sharing with these things out of not self-righteousness, but pain and healing. But if you work them because they're God's, then they work for you and they actually promote strength and health in your marriage with, in which from there, everything outside finds success and favor and blessing because God loves a healthy and strong marriage. Well, let me show you some things that uh, God doesn't like. In Proverbs 21, 9, Solomon must have had a bad day one day. Uh, he says this, better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Man, that's pretty strong. And then not 10 verses later, here is Solomon saying, it's better to dwell in the wilderness. You know what? Forget the housetop, the corner of the housetop, just go out into the woods. And now you know why men love to go hunting. <laughs> that's funny. Nicole, you that's fun. Uh, so then, then, then with a contentious, and not only contentious, but angry woman. I mean, just, just 10 verses ago, it's just contentious. Apparently, one of his wives, because he had a lot, all of a sudden went from contentious to argumentative to all out angry. And he goes, no, mm -mm, scratch that. Well, I'm going to leave it in there, but then I'm going to go write some more verses, more passages Let's just go out in the wilderness. And he got his guys and he said, hey, let's go pheasant honey. Let's go quail. Let's go do some. Whew, baby, I love you. And so, but, it, but, but this contentious just means argumentative. And I know that probably doesn't apply here. It's probably an old culture thing because there's no wives in here that are argumentative. In fact, there's no ladies in here that are argumentative. I can just see it across the room. I see a grace on all of you that are just, but contentious would mean in this world would mean uh, uh, argumentative. But then that's why also Paul, said, Paul writes in Colossians 3.19, hey dudes, husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Well, that's tough because here's what happens. Uh, whenever a husband just finds a, a reason or a cause because our little egos are, they're very sensitive, uh, we, get, we tend to get embittered towards something, whatever we feel is not honoring us and giving us the worship that we deserve. And so bitterness starts to set in and, and towards our wives, what happens is we cause, there's a, a circular causality and wives are nagging and they're, they're contentious and, and they're just saying, you need to be doing all of this. You know, that it's, by the way, disclosure, these four keys are going to help you except for in the car because this stuff just doesn't work in the car. When you're, when you're driving down the road, Allie's like, you need to stop. You're going too fast. You're turning there too fast. And, but let the shoe turn, and I'm over there in the passenger seat, and she's whizzing that thing around uh, that, car, that big van around a sharp corner. I'm like, I'm holding on. She's like, what are you doing? Why are you, so, why are you so being so illustrative and overreacting? I'm like, because, because I'm leaning. I'm, I can see the guardrail. I'm looking down on the guard. So these keys just get thrown all over the place in the car. But outside of the car, they work and they will strengthen your marriage. And so there, there's really a major reason these two struggles take place within husbands and wives. But I, I wanna address, I wanna begin with these keys of the heart. This one key principle, that if you work on that this week, man, I'm telling you, you will begin to put and set into motion a healthier, strong, more united and connected marriage. And so I had no idea until we were in the worst moment in our new relationship that there were these keys. And so thankfully God revealed these to me and has brought them into me. And so we apply these and listen, you're not gonna be perfect at this all the time because we have distractions and there's different demands. And I'm gonna explain that towards the end but when we're working on it and being intentional to keep first things first, we can be intentional on holding these keys in place as we're strengthening and working on our marriage. And so uh, when God created marriage, he created keys of the heart that we must love and be united in order, and we must love in order to be united as one. Because when God brought marriage together, he brought two completely different individuals together to become one. So we, yeah, Ali and I lived uh, the first year in hell, but we've lived seven years of blessings ever since. So sometimes you just kind of have to go through it and work it out and kind of grind those things out. But I'm giving you keys that will, if you put them in place, I'm telling you, you're going to find great success. But I want to give you two statements 
two statements today. And one is this, marriage is the safest relationship on earth when God's keys of the heart are honored. This is, your marriage is more safe and secure than your parents, mommy and daddy's household, uh, your grandparents' household. The, the church sometimes, it should be, marriage is the safest, safest relationship on earth. It should be. There should be no safer relationship. Church should be strong. It should be healthy. Your relationships should be there. But whenever it comes to your marriage, you have, a, you have the greatest potential to have the greatest safety and covering within the confines of marriage that you should find out, find anywhere. And if that's not in order, it's okay. We're going to fix that. Starting today, we're going to work on that. But marriage was not created by a lawyer, a legislature, or a Neanderthal. Uh, marriage was created by the Almighty God and with, with our God, uh, who is a good God. By, by, by the way, God would never create anything to bring harm your way. So marriage, if you've had some difficult times and some hardships, marriage, uh, if that's the case, that wasn't designed by God to be that way. It doesn't mean that you weren't designed to be together. It just means there were some keys that he designs to have a healthy and structured, healthy, healthily structured marriage and designed marriage that will actually bring you into that place of health and safety and security that every marriage should encompass. Uh, we, are, we are his beloved, and he would never do such a thing. It wasn't someone who created marriage, it was God. And when God created, when, God, when we slam uh, marriage, we're actually slamming God. Because God loves your spouse. God loves you. God loves marriage because it points to Christ in the church. So when we are slamming our spouse or marriage, then we're actually slamming God himself. So in order to make this shift, what I want you to commit to is having positive thoughts about positive ideas, positive words about your spouse and your marriage. And even if it doesn't feel like that, learning to shift your focus from the negative things that they do or that happen into thinking on the positive things so that you can actually have a place to find reason to begin to apply some of these principles that comes from God's word. So in 1930, 83% of adult Americans were married. Now, today, 45, between 45 and 48% of adult Americans are married. That's, that's really a shame. That, that, that's sad because the marriage, again, is a picture of Christ in this church. And so you fear anything you don't understand. Well, I was afraid whenever we got married, I was, I was afraid that uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't live it right, I wouldn't be able to do it right, I wouldn't be able to be married, she wouldn't be the person that I want her to be. I had all these, all these uh, false expectations, unhealthy expectations. She had a lot of unhealthy expectations towards me, and our unhealthy expectations had a huge clash. But I had a lot of fears, had a lot of fears that I would get hurt, that she would just be like every other one. And so when you take those fears into a relationship and you're leading through those fears, then you actually cause this causality and you start accusing and living life, even though you may never say anything, your actions treat the other individual as some experience in the past. So however, marriage is easy to understand though if we would just honor God's word and the keys of the heart. And so instead of living out those fears, if we just extract what does God's word say about it and how do we live this thing out, now we're positioning ourselves for success. But most people like Allie and I are good people. We're innocent. We just didn't know these principles. And most of you who have had hardship in marriage, you're good people. You're innocent. And the people that you know have, who have even gotten divorced are likely good people and innocent. They just didn't know the keys of the heart, these principles to apply to their marriage. But now we're learning. And now we have reason. And now we have responsibility to apply these so that we can have God-centered marriages in our lives. And so... So we are, we are here by the mercy of God, and I don't want to appear, again, self-righteous, but I want to deliver these keys of the heart. These keys were created to love, to create love, to protect love, to preserve love, and to promote love. And without these keys, there is no love in marriage. It's merely two people living in partnership together. And you can feel the difference. 
It doesn't feel united. It just feels like we're here. I'm good as long as I'm good. And if you're not good, well, I'm sorry. What do you need to do to get good? That's two people just living. As long as you pay your part, I'm gonna pay my part. You do yours and I'll do mine. But marriage, to, uh, I wanna give you a message to parents because your greatest hope, our greatest hope is that our kids gr grow up and they find the right person to marry, that they get married and have a healthy marriage, not just get married, but they have a relationship that's healthy and a marriage that is healthy. I tell people that I'm doing pre-counseling, pre-marriage counseling with all the time, the goal is not to get married because we're so focused on the, the wedding day. Oh, what are we gonna do? We're, we're just going through the marriage counseling to get married. I said, guys, that's the starting line. That's not the goal. The goal is to have a healthy, fulfilled marriage. And so that's what we're working on whenever we're having pre-marriage counseling. And that's what we're talking about today. Because if, you, if you're not living that fulfilled in your marriage and you are married, no problem. We just start applying these keys and we begin to find abundance and fulfillment in our marriages. And so the number one thing that you desire as a parent is that your children find a godly individual uh, spouse to marry. I'm, I've got my, my daughter convinced right now. She says to me, Daddy, uh, Daddy, well, and so when I get older, you're going to pick my, my husband out and I'm going to get married and we're going to live. I said, yes, that's exactly right. Daddy's going to pick your husband out and I'm going to make sure he's a good man. And, and she, but she, the, the only thing she's missing is she thinks when she grows up is five years old. And so we, we got to work on that part. I say, no, when you're 25 is whenever we're going to talk about getting married. When you're 25, I'm going to pick your husband. So I'm just, I keep, and y'all help me out with that. Just, re, just remind her, her daddy's going to pick her husband. <laughs> but, you, but you want, if they're, adult, they're adults, you want them to be happy and move out of the house. You want them to go make some grandkids and bring those grandkids over so you can spoil them and send them away back to their kids. You want to you do that. So your, parent, your marriage is the number one influence on what will happen to them. And I, and, I, and I get it that some of you have been divorced. I understand that completely. Some of you have been drugged through it. Some of you maybe are going through it right now. You're in the middle of it. But what I'm saying is that you can be healed and your marriage can find freedom if we will begin to apply these keys of the heart. Even if you have failed to this point, you can change it and be made well. I'm telling you, start applying these things. It will be like nothing ever took place and you will have testimony instead of testing. Spouses, you are the number one influence in your children's lives. I'm gonna ask you today, shift the way you think, begin to apply principles, shift the way you think about your spouse and your marriage and begin to make uh, make a change in your heart. Second statement is this right here. It says you have a 100% chance of happiness and success, which we all want that, in marriage when you honor God's keys of the heart. A 100% chance of happiness and success. So if you're living in a marriage and it's not feeling happy and successful, well, take heart because you have a 100% chance if you apply these, these key principles. And we're gonna get you, get you to one in a minute. But I wanna give you some, some uh, theory. Let's say, uh, let's say it, it, it would make sense not to fly if 50% of airplanes crashed, right? Pretty logical. Uh, if an aeronautical engineer omitted the four laws of aerodynamics, one, even one of the four laws of aerodynamics, which are lift, thrust, drag, and weight. Let's just say he or the pilot said, you know what? We're just gonna guess at the weight I don't know how many bags are on. Looks like about 83 people. We'll just guess at what this plane weighs and just say, you know what? I'd like to get to Tahiti a little faster. Let's just gas, gas this thing and get there. Well, that probably wouldn't turn out well because there's still lift drag and that weight factor that is not being added in. So you put the thrust down, that's when you see a, flame, a plane begin to flip. Well, the weight's gotta be considered as well. And so these four laws always have to be put into consideration whenever not only a pilot is flying, but an aeronautical engineer is, is building a flying device such as a plane. I said all that to say this, it's the same way with the keys of the heart. In order to keep a safe and grounded and well-flowing marriage, these four keys must be applied consistently altogether always. That's the only place you're gonna find safety and security and fulfillment 
in your marriage. Otherwise, you're not going to end up in Tahiti. Many people are saying, though, marriage is not good and doesn't work because believers are not honoring these keys. And so we need to apply these keys to show Christ to the world. Your marriage is very evangelistic. And the people that know you around you, they're looking at your marriage to see how your relationship is with Christ. They're looking at your marriage to see what is it you believe about Christ. It's evangelistic. So let's talk about demystifying marriage because there is so much mystery. Paul even says it's a mystery. Well, I'm not going to do it, but it's a mystery. I, don't, I haven't got this thing figured out, but let me give you some principles that the Holy Spirit has given me. Uh, so he says, so I wanna de- but I want to de- demystify marriage for you. Yeah, look at Genesis 2, 20. Uh, 220 through 25, it says this. So Adam gave names to all the cattle of the birds and of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. Guys just love helpers out in the field. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, He made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. These four keys come out of these last two verses, verse 24 and 25. God created Eve for Adam, and instantly God said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Listen to me. Adam and Eve did not have mothers. So God was not only saying this to Adam and Eve, he was saying this to all of humanity humanity that would come through Adam and Eve. Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. God was not just speaking this over Adam and Eve, but God was speaking a spiritual principle into marriage, a key of the heart over all creation for you and I. God created Adam and Eve, and the first thing he did was speak these four key principles all over all humanity. They are impersonal, meaning they're not just for Adam and Eve. They're universal. They are, uh, and if you violate them, you get hurt. If you honor them, you're protected. Uh, you succeed every time, and it's not luck. Boy, how did they have a, 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 such a healthy marriage? Oh, we just got lucky. No, you didn't. You applied some principles whether you knew it or not. God could, God could have made Eve uh, out of the dust of the ground just as he, he made Adam, but he didn't. He took a rib from, from Adam and he made Eve. And so really what I want to say is God made women more complicated than men. So, so, why, so why did God make Eve from Adam? Several reasons, because marriage is a covenant though. Marriage is a covenant, and without a blood, a cutting of blood, there is no covenant. And this covenant would be a sacrificial covenant. If there is no blood, there is no covenant, and the word covenant means to cut. Look at Mark 14 through 23, uh, 23 through 24. It says, Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. And so it's the evidence of Christ and his church, God the Father sacrificing his own son so that we may have entrance into relationship with the Father. He made a covenant. And Jesus stepped in to do some things that we couldn't do on our own. And so it's the same sign when we come into marriage with one another, husband and wife, we're making that covenant commitment and we're showing Christ and the church to the world. Well, covenant is this, is a permanent sacrificial relationship. Key is this, it's sacrificial. It's sacrificial. It means I'm all in whatever it is I have to do. Uh, I'm 100% 
even if you only have 70 that day or 30 or 10. The reality is it's 100 and 100. It's not an equivalent to a totality of a 100. It is, we are both 100% all in on this relationship. Do you know why when you stand in front of a pastor like me, you say for better or for worse? It's covenant. For, uh, for in, in sickness and in health, covenant. And for richer or for poorer, yeah, it stinks, <laughs> but it's covenant. In modern marriage, it's, well, if it's better, if you're richer, only if you're healthy. <laughs> and if you don't have a covenant relationship, marriage, you have a contractual marriage. That means uh, my rights are limited and so are my responsibilities. I will only do my part if you're doing what your part is. And if the day you stop doing your part, I'm out. It's no longer good for me, so I'm done. That's contractual marriage. That's a contractual relationship. But a covenant relationship says, no matter what, I'm sacrificing my rights and I'm expanding my responsibilities. There's more I'm gonna have to take on because I can see you're a lot of work, but I'm gonna do it anyway because you're worth it. And so I'm expanding my responsibilities. (laughs) I'm limiting my rights. I'm sacrificing my rights. Oh yeah, well, I should have this, this, and this, but you know what? I'm sacrificing this for the sake of our relationship, our marriage, because you mean more than that stuff or that thing or that item or that place does in my life. So those are covenant vows and covenant commitments. Sacrificial is I am sacrificing, I am making a sacrifice. So when you, when you remind yourself of what a marriage is, oh, there's some places, that's why, that's why scripture says you have to die to yourself. Paul says, I die daily, that's a marriage. He knows what it means to be married, that's marriage. Gosh, I can't stand it. Why well, wish you would stop doing it? Die. God, God loves to show you more places in your, in your life each day that you need to die about and die to. Come home from work and, and there the wife is dumping the kids with a potty diaper, you know, poopy diaper, and you just want to get angry? Die. Die. You die to yourself. You know what? She's had a rough day too. It's not all about me. And likewise, you probably had a rough day, been difficult, been a challenge. Somewhere we've got to meet at death. It's sacrifice, it's covenant, it's what we do because it's really about each other. It's about our marriage and it's not about me. Get your hands off the contract. But if you want to begin a relationship with covenant, with sacrificial mentality, that's great. In a relationship, you get, in a relationship, you get what you pay for. So if you want to move your clothes into somebody else's house and live and do life a little bit and yet not make that covenant sacrifice, you get what you get. You get what you pay for. But if you want to make that covenant commitment, that sacrificial, sacrificial decision, and you want to start, you want to live a life with another person saying, I am committed for life and marriage, you also get what you pay for and it will last you the rest of your life. So let's look at the keys of the heart. The keys and these keys, I want you to understand the keys are like kingdom principles. They're, 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 they're spiritual laws that God speaks into existence that whenever thing, when things are working according to its order, they flourish, they're blessed, they thrive. And they, they create order, safety, and predictability. We love that. That creates security and safety for us and our, and our souls and our mindsets so that we can, we can actually become all God created us to be within that. But when you have laws, there's order. When you follow the laws, there's safety, right? So if you're driving, you're living according to all the, 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 the traffic laws and you have your license, registration, and insurance, well, you're good. It's like you, you've got safe passage. You can go wherever you need to without fear, worry, or anxiety because you're following according, life according to the laws that are put into place to create order. And it's the same, th- same way with these principles. Whenever you're applying them to your marriage, to your relationship, then you are in a safe place, a safe zone, safe passage. You are, you are covered, you are protected, and you are being guided by safety and predictability. Predictability is very important to us as human nature. And, but imagine if there was no law of gravity. 
Imagine if those same aeronautical engineers and, uh, had created an airplane and imagine if uh, the, the news was reporting, well, you know what, due to our lack of uh, law of gravity now, right now, as airplanes are taking off, 50% are actually taking off and ending up in the outer space. Yeah, I mean, you may make it to Tahiti, you may make it to Mars. It depends on how long you want to get, it takes to get there. And so imagine if that was the case. Well, it would probably be smart for people not to fly. But isn't that the case when it comes to marriage, even inside the church, that only 50% of them are succeeding? So wouldn't it seem that, well, that's a pretty smart individual who's actually not getting married, except for the case of applying these four key principles of the heart, these keys of the heart. Because whenever these are applied, you have a 100% success rate. You have a 100% chance of being happy and successful when in a marriage you are applying these four principles. The laws exist. You get to Tahiti. You get to lay out on the beach, enjoy your spouse, have a good time, live a fulfilled marriage. When you have those laws, they're in order. There, uh, but God does have a design of laws that work if we will work within them. They protect us, they create safety and trust within a marriage, and they show the world that God does exist, most importantly. So there are keys that protect us, and they lead the way to the blessings of God. And look at, prior, look, look at key number one, it's the key of priority. If you could just do one thing this week in your marriage while you're going to be at home stuck, spending time with each other, I'm giving you, well, you got a great week to just drill this home because it's got to be the law of priority before everything else comes into play. Therefore, says in Genesis 2, 24, says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife before children, before work, before church before golf, before video games, before hunting, before social media, before friends, spouse, spouse, before mom and dad, spouse. To leave here means, uh, is a zab, which means to loosen or relinquish. So it says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. means he's going to relinquish the priority of father and mother. When God said a man shall leave his father and mother, he meant that he he and she, husband and wife, will relinquish or loosen the priority that mom and dad once had. They used to be here in priority, top priority under Christ, but now they're being moved and shifted because spouse comes in to be top priority in that life, in that, that man or woman's life. So there's a relinquishing, God says, of priority when mom and of mom and dad from child relinquishing, moving priority down a level and spouse is being moved up a level to top priority under Christ. This is what God is saying. Oh, and that's, 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 that's sensitive stuff right there. That gets tough. No, mom and dad are used to leading. No, mom and dad are used to having charge of what kids are doing. No, this, uh, I don't know if I'm ready to do that yet. No, my heart is still too, too, too tightly connected. I don't know. And sometimes children have a difficult time of letting go. And God didn't mean that he was to stop, they were to stop honoring their parents, but it was just a shift in priority. You can do both. You can shift the priority of parents to spouse while still honoring your spouse. To honor your spouse was a lifelong admonition that God says in his word as well. However, a man's parents were to be released into a lower priority. And this is where many marriages fail, an unwillingness of either party to release father and mother. The wife has to let go of the parents and the husband has to let go of the parents. And the parents have to let go of the children, encouraging them to come together. Well, you've heard that uh, it's, when times get tough, well, blood is thicker than water, or blood is thicker than anything. Blood is thicker. And so when it gets difficult, honey, you just come on back home. Mommy and daddy are going to be here for you. Well, you know what's thicker than blood? Spirit. Because when two people come together in covenant marriage, 
their spirits are being sewn together by God. And there is nothing, there is no blood that, between, mom, between child and parent that is thicker than spirit. So blood is not thicker. That spirit is what unites and bonds under God's leadership, guidance, God's, God's principles in marriage is stronger than anything. And Jesus says what, man, what, God has, has, what God has adjoined, let no man separate. And marriage is not a piece of paper created by the state of Texas or wherever. Marriage is an act of the Spirit of God where created to bind two people together for blessings their entire life. A certificate of marriage is great. Blessings from your parents are great. But there is nothing greater whenever God, when two people make a covenant decision to get married and God adjoins their spirit to become one, never to be separated. That is something God can bless. A spiritual connection of marriage is more powerful than the blood bond with the parents. God said, listen, when you get married, priorities change. Priorities change. The key, the first key of the heart is the key of priority. And here's why it's so romantic when that young man is about to, or old man, is about to, about to, to, to take a knee for the, the wife-to-be when he bows on that knee to ask her to marry him, why it's so powerful, so electric, so exciting, so emotional is because what he is saying to her and her interpretation is and should be, he's saying, I choose you. I choose to protect you. I, cho I choose to lead you with godly leadership all of your life. I choose to be your covering, and as God is leading me, I will lead you accordingly. That's what that young man is saying, and that's why it's so electrifying, energizing, and that's why that the, the woman that knows and trusts that I can come out from under the covering of mom and dad, and I can put my life into the hands of this young man because he has shown integrity, he has shown godly leadership, he has shown that he will protect me, he, will show, he has shown that he will guide me. He was shown that he will have sacrifice towards me. He has shown his love towards me, and it energizes. That's what it should look like. That's what God's design is for it to look like. And that's where every issue in marriage will succeed or find struggle is based on the concepts of everything that should be taking place and is actually taking places in spiritual realm in that moment. And when those two people finalize that marriage, very few people are created to not marry. They're, they're, called, uh, they're not subculture. They're actually called superculture, like Jesus and Paul. Not me. I'm, I enjoy the fruits of marriage. It's quite, quite exciting for me. And I, but Allie and I fell, fell out of love because we didn't, we didn't know we were innocent. We weren't applying these principles. Whenever uh, affection and, and excitement and emotion had, had little stability and we had fallen out of love, we had to learn these principles. And the moment we began to apply these principles, everything shifted and it was like nothing had ever happened before. We found healing, we found freedom, we found safety, we found security, we, we, we found bonding with one another and trusting that in our, in our, even in our difficulties, we're gonna work things out because we're gonna apply these principles. Love is not luck, love is not chemistry. What once started with a, a affection and attraction must be fueled by this law of priority. When you follow the, the, the keys of the heart every day, you're saying to your spouse, I love you, I choose you, and I will forever choose you. I will protect you uh, from anything that competes with you. I will protect you from anything that competes for my attention over your attention. That's the commitment whenever you're saying. That's, that, that, is, that is the desire that the, the spouse that God has for you has in their heart. Because every one of you want to be priority to your spouse. Every one of us. That's just the way we're created. And we're created to marry. There's actually legitimate jealousy, though. Because it's not always the case. It's not always, we're not always priority. Or we're not always putting our spouse in priority. So there's legitimate jealousy that Scripture tells us about. Exodus 34, 14 says, For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Jealous, it means an intolerance of rivalry. 
I am not going to allow anything to come in between us. And you're only jealous to the level of love that you have for another person. You're never jealous over someone that you don't love. You never are. But to the level of jealousy, the degree of jealousy that you may have over a spouse is equivalent to the degree of love that you have for that spouse. A healthy jealousy is a godly jealousy. A healthy jealousy comes in and and applies the keys of the heart of love and honor and respect and safety and security and affection for your spouse and with your spouse to win them back over to whatever got priority from whatever got whatever has priority. That's a, that's the that's the way that jealousy a, a godly jealousy works. An unhealthy jealousy, whenever it feels like it doesn't have priority, it works to tear down, to destroy, to to fight for in an unhealthy way. Not only the spouse, but fight against anything that is getting in the way. There's two different versions, but God says, for you shall worship no other God for the Lord whose name is jealous. He's, his name is jealous. He's jealous for us. God is saying, uh, I, I have come for you. I love for you. I sent my son to die for you. I desire, your pri- I desire to be priority in your life. And whenever, whenever the, the commandment says that you shall worship no other God before God, he is saying, I want to be priority. And whenever God is priority in our life, everything else is blessed from there. And when God is priority, we can't help but to love our wives according to God because we are loving them through God. Two spouses should always be in love with each other, not directly, but through God. And whenever there's a battle, there's an issue, it's not fighting with the other person, it's praying to God for wisdom and counsel and that he will make the change in the other person's heart. It's a prayer point. It's a place, it's a place to get that priority back through God, through prayer and intercession with the Lord. And when we get married, the same godly jealousy runs through us. We are jealous for the priority of our spouse's life because God, our model, is jealous for that place of priority in our own lives. And that, what that looks like is, let's say, uh, guys, some, like some guys hanging out with your lady and, and wanting to talk to her at a, a social event, and instead of getting upset and going pushing him out of the way, walk up and say, well, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Baby, you ready to go home? Let's do this. It's a compliment. Well, thank you so much for giving me that compliment of my beautiful wife that you would like to hook up with her, but you will not be hooking up with her. You ready to go home, sweetie? Hey, I'm just, I got a little jealousy, but that's okay. I'm going to show love and appreciation for this man honoring me and loving, having, having a an idea of, hmm, she sure does look good. Yes, she does. She's going home with me, though. I pay for that. Uh, ring. <laughs> I put a ring on it. <laughs> and, when Allie, and when Allie and I got married, we were each other's priority only when it was good. But when things weren't good, no longer were we each other's priority. We were fighting for other things. We were good-looking other ways. Allie was jealous for my attention because I wouldn't listen. Our priorities were out of alignment, and I didn't like the way she spoke to me, so I ignored her even more, and I poured myself into work, and I didn't, and, and she didn't like that, so she poured herself more into her family and whatever else she would do and around the house or, or just on the phone with the miss, missing her parents. And at some point I said, well, you can just go back home. Well, what normally happens is a husband begins to get lost in his work or get lost in his hobbies because he's feeling, I don't have the honor and the respect that I once, I once had. And she, she starts to, the wife starts to bury herself in kids and, and other things and fi- taking her frustrations towards kids. And, and then the husband is no longer getting the energy, the love and the energy that he once got from his wife. And now he's, he's burying his frustrations somewhere else 
else and, and a hobby, work, and all of a sudden they're, they're lost and they're living this partnership, this contractual marriage where we made a commitment to be each other, but I don't know if we love each other. And occasionally they meet when their cycles meet together and the wife is getting all of her love and her affection out of her kids and she's not giving the honor and respect back to her husband who deserves and he is not giving the attention and the safety and the security to her to his wife and like she deserves and instead he's pouring it all out somewhere else and this is what happened this is what happens and oftentimes when we're doing this we are living out our hurts and we are only hurting one another and have a circular causality and one or both of you are complaining, but the other person isn't listening. And you think, like Proverbs 21, 9 says, she's just contentious. Why is she so angry? Scripture in another place says, why is she nagging so much? And, and Colossians 3, 19 says, husbands, don't be embittered towards your wife. And we're both causing this cycle that we're living in, we're caught in, and our kids are watching this, and they're saying, if that's the example I have, I'm just gonna find somebody to live with. I'm not gonna be committed, because commitment means you gotta be stuck to that. I don't wanna be committed to that for the rest of my life. That's not good. But when the keys of the heart are applied, when they're put into position, they work. So let's talk about how to keep those key, the keys priority real quick. Number one is honor God and his word by obeying it. Joshua says to, to meditate on his word day and night, God's word day and night, meditate on it. Be careful, he says, to observe all his ways, all of God's ways. Because when you do, you'll find success, you'll find favor. Okay, so I just need to be in his word. I need to meditate on his word. Lord, what does your word say about my wife, about my husband, uh, my spouse, my marriage, my kids, how we lead? God will, give you, God will give you revelation. And then be careful, he says, to observe it and do it, put it into action. Be as let your spouse complain and don't be so defensive. Learn to listen. Listen to ask, listen how to ask your spouse how they're doing in, an, in, a, in a, maybe, maybe in an overt way, but maybe a covert way. I'll ask my wife occasionally, I, I mean, sorry, we, each week at least, I, we're busy, so I'll say, hey, how are you doing? How are you doing? Because I really wanna know what she's thinking and what's going on in her frustrations, and I really never get the real root of the frustration until I ask, how are you doing? What I am seeing is all the fruit of the frustration, and I feel like, because we're men and we need honor, I feel like sometimes it's coming at me, but really, until I ask that question of, how are you doing? I don't realize that this isn't about me. She's not frustrated with me. She just has frustrations, and she doesn't know how to let them out, because she doesn't have a man who's asking, how are you doing? But when you do, be ready. But when you do, you start to realize, oh, wait a minute. Okay. She just needed to talk to somebody. She just needed to let some feelings out. She just needed to let some thoughts out. And by the way, guys, uh, a conversation with a woman has no destination. It's a journey. The destination is the conversation, and it goes long way. You go to sleep with that conversation, and then you wake up to the same conversation. You never thought, well, I thought that was done. No. Men, our destination is, okay, let's get to the end of the conversation. No, not with women. Don't try to rush that thing. It just lasts longer. Yeah. And go all, every rabbit hole, you got to chase it. Go with them. Go with them. But when you just ask, what does it do? Women, their number one need is security. They need to feel safe. They need to know that they have a man who's willing to listen to them and create security and safety in all areas of life, a man who's gonna really take care of their needs and, and be there for them. They need that emotional outlet. Sometimes they don't know how to express those emotions, and so it comes off in the sense of negative, but it's really not. They just need you to guide them through their emotions and listen. Like, oh, baby, really? Oh, that sounds so tough. I remember when that happened. Mm, yeah, whenever Nathan doesn't get in the tub like I like him to. Mm, I know, baby, I know how you feel. Yeah, you okay? Okay. Anything else on your mind? I mean, for real. And it just helps 
It just helps. That's why God has blessed you with them. And then their next need is open, honest communication. They need open and honest communication. They need you to take them on this journey. Walk it out with them. Go, go with them. They need, they need to know how your day went, all the details, not just it was good. It was good. Oh, really? How good? Tell me all the details. What was your favorite color today? Oh, what, what are you going to do tomorrow? What, what are you thinking about doing tomorrow? What, you want me to use the mic? Test, 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 test. Okay, they need, they need also non-sexual affection. Guys, just because they touch your hand doesn't mean they're ready for the next step. They just want to hold your hand and say, do you love me? They want to know, do I feel safe? Am I safe? They just want to feel connected. Lastly, uh, they, they want godly leadership. They need godly leadership. They need to know that you're not going to dominate and lord over, that, but as you're making a decision, though you're, you're equal, you're, you're rib to rib, you're Adam and Eve style, you're, you're equal in authority, but in the end of the day, when a decision has to be made, you're making that decision, men, under God's authority, God's way, keeping their thoughts, their feelings, and their, their needs in mind as you lead forward that marriage. That's what they need. And, and ladies, guys, need honor and respect, need to know that we are the man in your life. We are, we are the numero uno, the, the, the head honcho. You love us so much. You speak highly, strategically, you're speaking highly about us to, to people on the phone, even though you're not on the phone. You just found a reason to say, oh, yeah, my man just did so good. Just came home from work. Oh, yeah, he's tired. Girl, I'm going to make him something to eat. Wasn't nobody on the phone. That's okay. Just put a show and make him feel good. That's what it's about anyway. Uh, sexual, they need sex. We need sex. It, I mean, just, that's it. That's it. Need, need that connection. And we need that. We need to feel like we're connected in that way. And I say this, uh, women are like diesel engines. They need the, the hand for a little while. Diesel engines, it takes a little while. You got to crank it up, get it warmed, and it's got to warm up for a while. And the, this morning at 5 a.m., I was going to leave at 5.30. I had to crank up my diesel and let it run for 30 minutes. Ga guys, more like gas engines. You just turn it on, we're ready to go. And so you, you got to be mindful of one another. You're mindful of each other's needs, approaches, and domestic support, sorry, friendship. If your, ladies, if your husband loves to go out and do work, woodwork, they want you out there doing woodwork with them. You can't stand it. It doesn't matter. It's the sacrificial covenant. It's not about you anyway. It's about the priority, the place of priority in their life and in your life that they feel. I can't stand this, but I'm going to do it anyway because you like it and you love it. You love doing this. Going shooting guns or playing golf or whatever, going hunting or fishing, whatever it is, men just need that kindred friendship. And then lastly, domestic support. Need to know we're coming home, we're coming in and we're coming home to a, a house that's going to be cleaned somewhat. Going to have some laundry being done. And at some point, we know we're going to get some food. I mean, that just, that just, oof. Got priority all over it. I'm seeing marriages being healed over here in Jesus' name. And so... <laughs> And C, train, C is train your children to respect your marriage. Ephesians 6, 1 and 4 says this, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. You've got to set boundaries for your kids. We have to set boundaries for, your, for our kids because they will overrun. They will continually try to run you as parents. They're, they're little terrorists that if you let them get away with it, they will have you working for them on a chain gang, and you won't even know a, a switch has been flipped. All of a sudden, they're demanding what you need to be doing and when, and because you care so much and you love them, you're all of a sudden leading your, living your day being led by your kids. Boundaries. Give them some training and admonition and say, uh-uh, this is mommy and daddy's time. You need to go find something to do. I know you're two years old. Go find something to do. Little Nathan yesterday had my grandparent, my, my, uh, his grandparents, Allie's parents are at our house, and, his, and her sister. And so she, 
he went in, little Nathan, he's two years old, he went into uh, Noreen's bedroom, got on the bed, there's a TV on in there, and he says to Ali's dad, he calls him Lito, and he says, Lito, juice, Nin, Olaf, and he just sat there. Like, that dude's got it figured out. He just tells one, here's what I want, and here's the other one, here's what I want you to do, and I'm going to sit here on a throne and wait for my show and my juice to come. That's how they will have you if you don't set those boundaries. D, this, build daily, weekly, monthly, and annual disciplines in and traditions into your marriage and keep it first. Your goals should include a weekly private time with your spouse saying no work. There's no work. We're not going to talk about work. There's not going to be any phones in this conversation this time together. And then we're not going to talk about kids either. You know what that, that looked like for Ali and I in the beginning? What can we talk about? So how are you doing? What you been doing? And you got to fight for it. Because it easily you go to kids or you go to work or you go getting on the phone and that priority is dismissed and the relationship is suffering from that. You got to fight for it. Monthly, something fun locally that you can do regularly. So your spouse is seeing, nope, I know we're going to be doing this on this week or this day, and it's going to be us, whether it's just the two of you or with your kids at that point. But you're saying, the priority is placed on our marriage, and this thing is coming. Annually, traditions, holidays. Nope, we've got a vacation coming up, and it may be nine months down the road, but we can both look and see that thing is coming, and it's all about us, and we're going to do it together as a family, however that looks. Traditions. Man, we just we love during the spring to go and do this thing. That, that creates this bond of, in your marriage between husband and wife. It creates a unity. It creates a passion. Luke 14, 28 through 30 says this, for which, one, which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost? If you're about to get married, there's a lot of counting of costs, a lot of costs to count. If you're married, there is a lot of costs to count. How are we doing in this area? How are we doing spiritually? How are we doing financially? How are we doing emotionally? How are we doing relationally? How are we doing with our family? How are we, how are we doing in our jobs? How are we doing in our occupation? How are we doing in our dreams? And if you're not measuring every one of those dashboards, you're living a wheel that's flat in some area. And your marriage is suffering from it. And every one of these costs must be counted continually, especially before you get married. But once you're in, you're in. Now we got to bring these dashboards up. You check your fuel on the way to church. You check your speed as you're driving down the road. If, you're, if your transmission sounds it's not, like it's not shifting, you check your RPMs. Shouldn't you be doing that on your marriage? He says, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. They thought they were ready to get married, and whew, they're a train wreck. Or maybe you're saying, my marriage is a train wreck. When you start applying these keys and you begin to make your spouse priority, that train gets back on the tracks and it's moving with thrust and strength. It's moving with, with power and God can bless a marriage that is based upon his principles, his matters of the heart and the way he designed because it was from the beginning when he spoke, he designed principles for you and I. So through every season, every area of our lives, we, we should be putting our spouses as priority. They demand it. Whether they're speaking up or not, internally, both of you are demanding it. You may recognize the frustration that you're carrying or where it's come from, but internally, because you've been sown with this truth, your soul is demanding that priority. But when you're in sync, when that priority is in proper alignment, oof, there is nothing better, nothing safer, nothing more successful than that marriage right there that has each other in priority. And your kids are watching. 
what you do and how you do and how you handle those dashboards is the number one indicator of how they're going to live out their marriage. The integrity that they're going to have in their marriage. The commitments that they're going to have to one another in that marriage. And then how their kids are going to turn out based on that marriage. So I want to pray for you. And it's really a simple prayer because we're innocent people. We didn't know, but now we know. So Father, we just repent right here and right now of not, for not applying this principle, this key of the heart. Father, we, we repent for our lack of knowledge, but now we know. And those of us who have made mistakes, we break agreement with a lie. We cancel the lie that says our marriage will never be healthy. And we submit our lives to this new truth in your word. And we ask you to bless us with a grace to abide in this new discipline. And Lord, empower us to live according to this new key of the heart. And Lord, would you please bring hope and healing to the areas of our hearts that are struggling with having not been priority? Would you bring in your times of refreshing, Holy Spirit? Would you begin to bring us freedom, restoration, peace, love, joy once again? In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.